Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we are here today to discuss chapters three through six of the White Luck Warrior. I think I got that right this time. I always seem to mess it up every week. It is my first time reading this series, and I am here with Daniel and Katarina, as usual, every week. And uh, Katarina, do you want to, will you give us an introduction, please? Um, hi, I'm Katarina. I'm reading the White Luck Warrior for the second time. Um, I, I don't think, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly concerned about this episode because, uh, let's say half of my notes disappeared somehow, and then I fell asleep listening to the last chapter. So, uh, not off to a great start, but I'll do my best. <laughs> and I apologize in advance. We are prepared. Yeah. We're going to, we'll have fun. Good thing you've read this book once before, recently even, so. And I'm Daniel, and I've read the series a couple times now. So, so you say you say a couple of times. How many is a couple? Because I don't think we've ever gotten a number after all uh, these weeks. I don't know. I feel like I was maybe 18 when I read the first book. And it feels like almost 20 years ago now. We're approaching 20 years. And I can't remember when this series finally got finished, but he didn't take a long time to write both series, I didn't think, actually. And then I read it once, maybe three times. But it's been spread out over a good 10, 12 years. Nice. So I have to I have to say, Katarina, you had mentioned that this was your probably your least favorite of the of the books we've read. Maybe is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, I've probably been enjoying it more this like this time, um, but it's still I wouldn't I wouldn't put it as my favorite. Hmm. I thought the you know we talked last week about the first few chapters being a little. I mean, things happened, but it seemed a little light. I think um, these last three, there is a lot in the last three, I thought. A lot of revelations. Let me, let me take that back. Maybe not a lot, but major revelations. There was a couple of them, for sure. So where I do you... There's always a lot happening, but whether it's action or introspection is is what separates it, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. There's a little more action in this one, kind of. Some cities get sacked. Lots of people, I, I think, have died in these few chapters. Yeah. Lots of elk. Lots of elk. Um, a lot of people. Though you wouldn't necessarily notice, maybe. Like, it all kind of happens in the background mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, so where do you, who do you want to start with? So we got, we got a chapter for each of like the main groups or main characters. I think the, the chapter four, I think focused a lot on Sorwheel. Um, there wasn't a whole lot there. I mean, unless I missed, I mean, there was a little bit, but I think one of the notes I have down is they talk about the shrink being driven and not just kind of, there's, they have seen that they're. Uh, they have a purpose. They're not just like a horde. Um, so 
sounds like some something or someone is directing them or driving them forward, pushing them forward. Right. So before the the ordeal, just assume that they were driving the the strength in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. That they were all like grouping together um, before the greater wheel, and now thanks to sore wheel, they realize that actually the consult maybe is not as passive as they might have assumed initially, and um, it seems they've been gathering another army of strength that's been shadowing the greater deer and, and it's kind of waiting for the uh, uh, the right moment to um, attack them from behind. Yeah, and this is true. And they talked about, what did they call it? Hoarding, strength hoarding, meaning like one tribe gets pushed into another, gets pushed into another until there's just no space left except for back the other direction. And then that's what the Aspect Emperor expected to happen the whole time and kind of thought the Scions weren't going to run into anything since they're basically his prisoners, what he's using to theoretically keep the rest of the Empire in line, though it doesn't work as we see in the later chapters. And so they decide to write and tell the Aspect Emperor, right? Isn't that at the end what they decide to do? They need to tell Kalos Well, it's, that... it's, yeah, it's, but it, it's Sorwell's idea. Like, he's the one who uh, makes or helps them realize that there are all these other strengths that they weren't aware previously of. And uh, they should be they should get back to the main uh, main unit and warn everybody. Um, how, did, so he, how did this play into his contradicted mind now? He's got Kellis on the one side, who's kind of appearing to fight the right war, and then he's got Yatwer, who turned into his father's face, and like re- repeated words that the mandate schoolman said. So right. But it also seems that in this moment, Yatwer is like they seem to be on the same side. Like Yatwer gives him the warning, um, like she, she she helps him realize that that's um, that's what's been happening. That that they that there are the, the there's the other strength army um, that's been following them, and basically, like she she warned. Like it's because of her that he's able to warn. Um, his captain and and um, the army. So I guess there's more than two sides to this conflict. Like you have the consul, you have Yatwer, you have you have Kellis, and maybe some of their goals align. It seems. So Yatwer might be both killing the Anasarimbers and trying to save the Anasarimbers what you're saying yeah maybe i mean if she just wanted to destroy like if she just wanted to have the great old ordeal destroy then why would she warn them in the first place wouldn't it be easier just to um have them um attacked by the strength from 
both the directions and get annihilated in the middle. Maybe it's to add validity to Sorwill. He's already a good warrior and he's well respected. Now he's like a tactician as well. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Might be, might be, might be the case. Well, I don't know. I don't know anything. The more I read, the less I know. <laughs> no, well, everything can have multiple reasons. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, as you said, uh, Sorwheel is no longer the Horse King. But he actually, he, it seems he's he's gained some respect from his uh, fellow co-captives. He's still, um, because... the, he, still the horse king, but the connotation has changed. Now it's like the good yeah. horse king. He's faster than everybody on the horse. One and one is one. Isn't that what he says? One and one is one. Yeah. And there's there was one other interesting moment for me when they, um, they capture some of the strength and then... Um, they kind of get together to torture them and no one seems to really want to do it. And then, then Sorwheel steps in and cuts out an eye, I think, one of the strength. And then he has this like little speech about how um, awful and, and soulless the strength are and how they um, deserve to be tortured for the things that they do. Um, wh what, did you, what did you think of that? Like, because uh, like I understand what he says about the strength, but it still felt very cruel, and I did, I don't necessarily see the point of it. Like, if if you know that the strength are without souls, like they're not, I mean, they don't have conscience, I guess. Um, like, what is it? Like, what's the point of torturing them if they're not even aware of? of like what they're doing or what the implications of, of their actions are. I, th I kind of, the way I took it is that he's using it as a way to, to gain respect or to demand um, authority or kind of is it a way for him to kind of um, start to be a little bit more respected or, you know, rally the troops kind of thing. I'm a little bit surprised Cutting out an eye is the one thing that you were like, I don't know, I'm going to be going too far. <laughs> well, not just the eye, but I mean, like what, I guess I'm just not a fan of torture in general. Hmm. Um, and if you think that, um, I guess the strength are kind of like animals, then you, you wouldn't, I mean, even if an animal attacks someone, like you wouldn't go and torture the animal. Like there is no, they don't understand that. Like they don't understand they did something wrong. Um, what, like, what is the point of torturing them? Like, you want to, if you want them to stop what they're doing and you kill them, okay, I guess that's fine, or at least that's one way of stopping them. But um, you don't need to torture them. It doesn't. There's no added value to it. I think. I would agree. I think. I don't think that they're animals, though. I wouldn't. They're worse than animals. They're definitely smarter because they wear like human teeth and 
human skin, which also makes them more deserving of torture, probably. And they might be more like tools or machines than even animals, right? So do you yeah. think about how you're torturing the nail when you hit it with a hammer? Well, I'm not going to go torture it if I accidentally uh, stab it into my uh, hand or something. Or in the wrong place in the wall. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I and think, I'm sorry, Gina, go ahead. There was one more, like, parallel later when the finale is explaining why, I think, I think it was Malawebi. He was explaining why he was, like, torturing the cities he was taking back control of. And he was trying to explain all the terrible things that Kellis did when he took Shime. So he's like, oh, this is fine. And that's kind of the same thing that Sorville's doing, but with Shrink, who do bad things. They do do pretty bad things. They, I'm they, I'm not disputing that. Like I think they, we all agree on that. They waste animal meat. That's that's the worst thing I've seen them do so far. All of that good elk meat. That's true. They are very wasteful. Um, I just don't think like. Well, I guess what I'll probably go back to it. But what Fenile says about. Um, what, like the way he justifies um, torturing and killing all those people is basically that um, he's trying to evoke the sense of fear then that the whole can later use to sort of win people uh, over to his side. Um, I don't think that's a, that's a strategy that would work with the strength. Like I, I don't think that they would change their behavior just because you were... Uh, you didn't treat them or you treated them badly on some other occasion or like, I, I'm not sure that fear is a motivator for the strength or fear or fear of, um, um, retribution, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert on strength psychology. So I, I you know, take this with a, with a grain of salt. So what you're saying is you're pro shrink is what you're saying. Shrink rights. Shrink rights. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm. Well, no. Well, let's change subject. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this, um, this yeah. might be a diversion or a question. So the Raku that are still alive that Akanian talked about. He said that once the no god died, they all like became masterless. So they like gained free will and just left. And you're saying these shrink are like somehow bound, right? They're like yeah. being, being I he, guided. I think he mentions them being um, them being driven. That they're they seem like they're moving with some kind of purpose. They're not just aimlessly. Um, killing. Right. So it, what whatever's guiding them can 
Kellis somehow guide them? Is that possible? Could Kellis guide Shrank or Raku? Something can guide them. And he's like worried about their, like when they talk to each other, when he was talking to the Andamine Heights, their messages getting intercepted, right? Or he at least says that. Hmm, I, I haven't considered that. I I guess I just assume that if they were being driven, it was the console that was responsible. Um which it would probably make probably is. Yeah, it would make sense since they're the ones who made them. Well yeah, I guess they're 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 the creators of, of this rank. Um I I wasn't sure if I wasn't sure if there was like um you know, if there was like a, like a direct mechanism of control, like if there was like some way for the console to communicate with the strength, or if this was more like, I don't know, maybe they just you know they put some elk somewhere and then that's how they managed to get the the herds of strength to to go in that direction because like it they follow food, I guess, um, and other resources. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I, I haven't really considered the uh, the possibility that someone else could tap into the. Um, well, I guess that someone else could control the 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 strength um, in the Istuli planes. Maybe but it's been, who knows? Yeah. Right. Now, but now, now I'm, I'm gonna have to start thinking about that possibility and you got to think about all possibilities <laughs> until the probability trans just narrows to the shortest path <laughs> or i go insane because there are too many options a little enrollatus yeah i can probably relate in that sense <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be fun talking about him. I think that thing that most describes Sorul's thoughts is like he describes how whenever the Shrank came and raided one of their cities, they would go there and there would be no babies. They'd only find like arms of babies. Only just like torn apart fragments and seed. It's not good. If I was sort of, I'd fuck that guy's eye out too, probably. I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, I get where they're coming from, but should they, like, should they do it? Like, I, you know, I, I don't think revenge is, what's the point of revenge? I, I don't think you're getting anything out of it. I think um, in, in war, I think to, um, Maybe some kind of revenge, just personal to mental thing that you you see that they can be killed and that you can kill them this easily. And I don't want to see you dehumanize them, but you de shrink them. You make them seem like they're they're not animals. They're less than animals. They're um, you know the they're your enemy, and that's this is what you do to them. Yeah. Well, we we call it war crimes in in this world. <laughs> I don't know if there's a Geneva Convention in, uh, in, in this universe. I don't know, yeah. It's not a war crime if you're out hiking and a bobcat tries to kill, 
kill you and you shoot it. That's not a war crime. No, that's self-defense. But if so, you then, if 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 you then go and and uh, cut off its tail while it's lying there wounded on the ground, I think that would be considered animal torture. <laughs> that's true. It's true. They've left civilization behind, so they're they're not civilized anymore. I'm not. I'm not defending them. Okay. 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 I'm just Same saying. Sense. Let's maybe let's be more civil <laughs> with our enemies. Speaking of being civil, I'm. I'm feeling a little bit. I feel a little bit bad about for Mathenet because he's kind of getting the. I don't know. He's going to get a raw deal with this whole thing. He put in a lot of work, and he's he's getting. You know, they're. Seems like everyone's turning on him. Well, I guess there's still the question of why Kellis didn't choose him to uh, lead the Empire in his absence. Is it because he doesn't trust him or... Is it just for the sake of appearances? Would it look bad if if the Shrile was also the um, sort of an like an emperor? Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe he didn't pick Mithenet because he knew he knew what would happen. That this would all happen. That they would all fall apart. Well, it's already falling apart. It's a power vacuum. You take, take all the able-bodied men and force them to leave, except for like the criminals who won't go. And then it doesn't end up good afterwards, usually, in any of the books I read. But it left with a power vacuum. Maybe, or maybe he did it. Maybe Kellis didn't want him to be in charge because he wanted to spare him the failure of losing the empire. You know, maybe, maybe he thought, let's let's sacrifice Asmanet. She's um, um, a lesser loss compared to Mathenet, who is uh, at least part union. He says that it's because the Shrai shouldn't be the leader. He's already the leader of the religion. So that's what Kellis said. Yeah, but I mean, if Kellis said that he should be the leader exactly because he's the, the leader of the re religion, then we would probably believe him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Maybe he, if the Dunyan are just like all conquering, and that's basically their whole purpose, maybe he thinks that the Dunyan in him would betray him. They master all circumstance. If he finds a way to become dominant, then maybe he would. Yeah. Maybe if the Shrai was in charge, 
she wouldn't listen to Estimate, and with Estimate in charge, at least she'll listen to him, or you think she would. So, mm. so Kel cracks the wedge. Very effectively. Yeah, he's, he's, he's very good at manipulating Estimate. I think we've established that. Um, but I mean, like, I do agree with you, Steve, that Mathanet has been seemingly loyal to Callus for the past, what, 20 years? Um, and um, for some reason, for, for whether they're justified or not, Esmanet has decided that he cannot be trusted and that... Uh, like he, he he's the he's the biggest threat to her, or well at least one of the threats. I guess she has other other things to deal with as well. Um, it it may it might be it might be unfair, um, with risk to, towards the Mathanet, but I guess it all depends on whether she's right and he's actually plotting against her, or whether she's just being paranoid and he's actually there just to help her. I, I do I do love Columbus though. For all he's, the wrong reasons. He's an interesting little dude. <laughs> Mamara loves him too, actually. Now that I think about it. Yeah? He begged her not to leave, right? He made her leave. But <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Yeah, that's true. He's pretty manipulative. And he still thinks of his mom as like a lesser human, an animal. He says, but he's obsessed with her. I love the conversation that he and uh, in Rilith, in Rilithos, I can't pronounce his name, his brother had, his uh, crazy brother. That whole conversation was really interesting. I love that. Yeah, I mean, but like, we've the whole time we've been kind of led to believe that. He is just insane, um, which I, he he might be, but once like that when he explains the reasons for why he behaves the way he does, it it puts things into a different perspective, and it's just the way that he thinks about the world and the God and the rules. It's, it's it's an interesting thought experiment. I agree. <laughs> and Rolotus is a fun mm -hmm. character. And he starts out the whole thing by like walking to the middle of the floor and just shitting and so he says, Come brother, I wanna discuss the shit between us. It's <laughs> yeah. hardcore. Yeah, but it's still, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of torn between, um, like, is he, is he crazy or is he somehow, like, did, did, did he, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a way to express it, like, I wonder how, he, how, how much he's a representation of, like, the god. 
he says he is. He's just acting out of sheer impulse, stacking obscenity on obscenity because that's what the God would do. Yeah, I guess it's also like like one way that you could theoretically think that you can achieve free will if you act like in opposition to everything that the like in opposition to it, like the rules that the world tries to impose on you. But then if you're kind of acting in opposition to to everything, then I don't know. Like, are you actually free? Like, are you, are you, are you, um, like, are you the master of your decisions if you're just acting against, against the rules that somebody else, somebody else has already set up, set up for you? I don't know. It's, I think it it's like one of, yeah. Seems like a singular track, like always against, right? So you know where they're going. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily as as free way of living or as unconstrained way of living as maybe he would like to think. Um, but it, it's like it's one of the more philosophical elements in this book, um, in Relatus and his character. In Relatus, jeez. Well, I don't. I mean, I have no idea how to pronounce it. Oh no, I I I I feel silly because I mis I totally got the pronunciation wrong. So I... that's that's just my guess at the pronunciation. But yeah, I, I think I usually say in relatus or in relatus. When I'm having fun, I turn the I in the middle into a long. <laughs> so what in real in realitus? <laughs> Uh, and he he knows right away that Sammy is is around. His brother is still, in you know somehow, lingering. And meanwhile, he uh, Kilomas is being told, you know, this is a this is a mistake. Uh, we should leave. This is a bad idea. The, the entire time, so uh, it's that added to the tension and the uh, anticipation of that whole conversation because it seems peaceful. It seems like a um, you know, like a calm situation, but hearing his brother tell him like this, this was a bad idea. We should leave. It's it adds to the atmosphere. Yeah, because I think well, so far we the re we as the reader are the only ones who know that Calmomas uh, is is hearing this voice, whether it's Sammy or something else. And um, it's like, it's kind of crazy that, like, it gives you a sense of, like, how powerful or, like, how gifted Enrilatus is that he can, like, he, he can immediately tell that there is something wrong with Kelmobas. Like, while everyone else seems to think he's just his, like, little adorable baby, like, he immediately knows there's something wrong in that. He, and he can tell that he's hearing this voice, although I'm not I'm not sure that Inrilatus necessarily knows that it's Sammy, but he knows that there is someone speaking to Kalmomas. And he just Quite needs impressive. to look, look down his throat and he'll find out who it is. And at this point, to Kalmomas, it is Sammy or the secret voice, but to us, 
just a crazy voice, you know, a crazy little kid's head, who was also like attached to his brother for years with eyesight somehow. Yeah, they would stare at each other for yeah, you had to yeah separate them. That was really. I loved all the information we got on all the different kids, and kind of who has more of the characteristics of Kellis and kind of the the inner workings of them. Yeah, and and they do talk about Kalmomas, or I think it, in Relatus is the one who says it that Kalmomas is more or less like him. Like in Reladas. More so, like in Reladas than all the other sons, yeah. Yeah. So maybe in Reladas has a crazy voice too. He never says it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes, I mean, just based on the behavior that we've seen from Kelmoma so far, I wouldn't be too surprised if. If in uh, ten or ten or years or so, he would be locked up in a room somewhere. Um, but I don't know. They don't seem too similar so far. Yeah, Kalmomus Kel can hide it. I think the way it describes Enrolatus is like he has like all the emotions of his mom, but he can't. He can't has like no, no control over them as well as the intellect of a dunyan. So he'll just lash out on instinct or desire. That's why he always says the most hurtful thing. I forgot what he called Namara, a wounded dog, a beaten puppy or something. Yeah, that's that's right. Kalmoma seems more like he has things more under control. Like he's much better at hiding it, hiding what he thinks, and um, hiding um, what he feels, especially uh, towards his mother. And he he can act how he's supposed to act, and all of this has no filter. It's just pure craziness into the world. It appears from them having to wash shit off the walls twice a day. Yeah, that that must be a terrible job. Just that guy probably saved Kelmomus. Maybe he was about to cross the line. Yeah, but then Kelmomus left. Before Kelmomus left, he was able to um, give Enrilatus a, a small file. Which I'm not sure why he did it. Like I don't, I don't think he has reason to free Enrolatus. Maybe it's to let him off himself, so he has one less barrier between his mom and everyone else. Yeah, maybe. Just to see what happens. Maybe, but I, I don't know. I would, I think Kamoma is, is usually pretty well. I don't know. I was gonna say, like, he's, he's calculating, but then sometimes he does also act, act purely like off of his emotions. So I don't know. 
but we know that uh, Enrolatas has the file and and he can. Um, there's a chance that he might free free himself sometime soon. And I think there's also talked about how he's the only one that might be able to like look into Nathanette's eyes and see what Nathanette is thinking. So Mamara or Esmet might be about to try to use him against Nathanet, maybe. Right. But I guess the question is will Enriladis tell Esmanet the truth that he sees in Nathanet? Like it would does he have any reason to tell her what she wants? him to find out that doesn't seem like like in in Reladis doesn't seem like the kind of person who follows orders from other people no <laughs> no the same would go for the dis, his discussion with Kel was he telling him that for reasons just to get him to cross the line or how much truth how much truth was in what in you know, Say. It's always hard to tell what he's done in. Very unpredictable. There was there was one other moment with Kilmoris that I found interesting. Um, and it's when he talks about how there is one person that he loves more than his mother. And and that person is someone who lives in the eyes of the dying. And I think he, he calls that person, I think he calls them the worshiper or something like that. And like, he's, he's, he's kind of saying like, the only thing I enjoy more than being around my mother is, is killing people like, or like looking into, into the eyes of people I've just killed. Um, which I found Interesting and creepy and um, disconcerting. Yeah, that was a hardcore little part. So does he really see something there? He's done it and they have a crazy intellect and he thinks he sees someone. He says he's trapped in a room. And the room only is accessible through the brief instances before death. I have no idea, but it was creepy, especially coming from a child. And if when he, I don't, how old is he? He's like seven, I think, something like that. Yeah, I've seen eight, maybe now seven or eight. Yeah, and he's like, well, you know, like thinking back to all the people I've already killed. <laughs> like he's a, he's is an eight year eight year old kid. He's a dummy. Not quite human. There was one hardcore thing that Inrali just said to him. He said, look at this heap of screams you call the world and tell me you would not add to them. Pile them to the sky. Pile them screams to the sky. And I think Tomoma says yes. This one finally betrays that he's just as broken. That um, I'm just gonna find the quote really quick. But they talk about um, 
the God and what rules the God, nothing, no one. So the God is unconstrained. So the God is like me. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of, so the impression or, or like the difference I see between Inverlatas and Kambomas, it seems to me that Inverlatas would kill someone because it's forbidden, whereas Kalmumas would do it because he enjoys it. That, like, that's, that's the distinction I see between those two. Though, I mean, I can't say, like, in Relatus' motivations are necessarily crystal clear to me. But all the people that we've seen Kalmumis kill, I think, have been killed because he either, he, he, he either wanted to, like, he wanted to or he, um, he did it so that he could be closer to his mom. His, but there is a part hate, of him that... His hatred of the fat man seemed a little different, right? Like, the mom was still winning the argument and won the argument and he still just wants to kill the little fat man. Yeah, definitely there is a part of them that enjoys it just the act of or the thought of, of killing somebody or like having that power over somebody. Or seeing the whatever in their eyes. The only person who likes looking into their eyes more than his mom. Yeah. He needs to get someone just right on the verge of death, but keep them alive. And he can just stare into their eyes forever. Maybe that's what his little no-witted brother was. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I have no theories on that. Rest in peace. There was one quote by Sorwell that was interesting. He was like reflecting on religion and what certain religions thought. And then he like said he didn't believe any of that, but he thought... When he thought about the world beyond what his eyes could see, he saw souls in their innumerable thousands with only frayed threads to hold them, dangling over deep, the deepening black of the outside. In the shadows moving beneath the gods, ancient and capricious, reptilian with indifference, with designs so old and vast that there could be only madness in the small eyes of man. That's pretty crazy. It reminded me of a, a horror book we read, too. Yeah. The void is just reaching down and grasping all the souls, black streams. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Negative space. Yeah. Oh, I think you mentioned it. The book's right. intense. Yeah. There was one on uh, 157 that I tabbed, but uh, you can only believe so many lies before becoming one of them. I think that's that was a comment, right? Yes. Yeah, I think I know a number of people 
who have told so many lies, they're, they're not able to discern the reality anymore. Um, for sure. Yeah, that happens. Mm -hmm. I like the quote, you could not be wholly human and survive the long sight, so you became something less and pretended you were more. Well, my quotes got deleted, so I don't have any. Yeah. I think there was one about family or um, about how people perceive you when you talk about your family and the relationship you have with them and how when you talk about your family to other people, people will, we will kind of get a different idea of you and your family than the idea that you maybe want to get across. Um, but I don't, I don't remember the page. Um, so I'll, I'll see if I can find it, but that was, that was a nice one as well. Um, I've heard, I've heard a quote, like there's the us that we know and the us that people know as us, they're completely separate. Yeah, that was it was something along those lines, yeah. Um, but just one last thing about chapter five. It's the the very first like page or two. Um we get another uh brief moment with the white leg with the white leg warrior. Um and he, he kind of talks about like how he sees the past and the present and the future, like all at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, and there is, um, there, there's a, there's a section where he talks about the future, like what to us would be the future. And, uh, he talks about how he sees, um, Oh, he is like an assassin gagging on his own blood, um, armies in the street. And then he saw the holy Shrier turn oblivious and bare his throat. He saw the Edom, Ed, oh gosh, and Diamine Heights crashing upon itself. The Empress flutter about her final breath. Um, he watched the aspect emperor dying in blood and expressionless belief. Is this true? Like, is this the future? Is this what's going to happen? Like. Daniel's giving his best uh, poker face. I mean, we yeah. could have talked about like whether the gods are able to determine people's fates. Um, well, at least it seems if, if the White Leg Warrior or, or Yatwer um, have a say, then uh, things are not going to end well for Kellis and Esmanet and, and Nathanette. Um, but, I mean, is, is this like the definite version of the future or are there like multiple versions? Does everything that Yatwer and, and um, Gilgeal come true? Or maybe Kellis is kind of right that they're, they have blind spots, in that, and that's where the no doubt is, in their blind spot. Maybe that's where Kellis is trying to be, too. Maybe it's all revelation. 
the past the past the past when it's described is definitely like the true past truer than any of the other words in these books that makes sense because it's like the actual history whereas everything else has been like written and regurgitated yeah but it kind of seems like for them the past the present and the future like there's not really any distinction between them like it seemed like they they perceived them simultaneously yeah it says he looked up and he seemed like behind him (laughs) right yeah and he sees the other um wildlife warriors like following behind and in front it's crazy if 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 at the end of the aspect emperor when we finish and I go back and I uh I I reread this paragraph and it happens exactly as is described here then I don't know there's older paragraphs that had revelation to older books even Back yeah. to people and, you and like, they and Confus, Confus said something that was super crazy that we'll discuss after the end of all these books. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. So basically, I should once once we finish, I should reread all the books so we can <laughs> talk about. <laughs> All the hints you know, and, and uh, prophecies and foreshadowing. Give, give it 10 years until you forget most of it. Then reread it. Except all the parts that still eat at you 10 years from now, and then you can reread it. Right. Well, I'm already reading this book for the second time and within like four months, so. But I'm not. I'm not any wiser because of that. I can tell you that with certainty. I would say you sort of are. You said you find it more interesting the first time you read it, so you're pulling something out of it this time. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm definitely having more questions. Like I'm asking myself a lot more, like what the meaning of it is, or if what I'm reading is actually what seems to be true. If that's actually the truth, but. Yeah, I think doing it on audio also helps. Like it's it's just less tedious. Hmm. And now we kind of get a vision of Esmet's enemies, right? To see the scope and the size. One of them thinks he's chosen by God too. Everyone's chosen by God lately. Just to kill Kellis. Everyone thinks they're gonna be the one killing Kellis. But this one has a uh, Sishra room. Yep, there's still a couple alive, apparently. Yeah, I think my... Um, I was kind of sad to read about Phenyle, I think that's his name, and uh, his his army of, of Rattacks. Like, when you think back to the Prince of Nothing and sort of the... Um, the majesty Grand, of, of the Kianin Empire. The grandioseness of their attire and their lives. Now he's yeah, a like, desert bandit. <laughs> yeah, like they were, I mean, 
especially in comparison to the Nancy Empire, they were the ones, um, they were sort of the, the rising empire, the rising power in the region uh, at the peak of their civilization, I guess, um, or, or getting there anyway. And now they're just like, there are just so few of them left. And you look at what happened to uh, Fenile, who was this like glorious warrior, if you remember from, uh, from Thousandfold Thought, maybe the, the warrior prophet where we meet him for the first time. Um, it, it's just sad. What did he say that the gods decided that they had gotten lazy and they, they needed to trim the fat, so he sent them into the desert? Where they came from, yeah. He does yeah. say that. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say they became too, too complacent, too too comfortable with with their position. But still, I mean, like it, there was a. It's just a shame. Like it's, it's, I, I just feel I can't help but feeling sad that that's how they ended up. Especially after everything they they went through. In, during the Crusades or the, the Holy War? I don't know for sure, but I assume Kellis like appointed a new Fenail, right? Just to keep the conquered ones in line? Yeah, I think know. his younger brother, I think Fenail's oh, younger yeah, now, brother. Oh, yeah, I remember the, that now. Um, well, I don't know if he's, the, if he's the Pediraja, but he has some sort of a title. I think, and so I think he's marching with the greater ordeal. Their grandiose culture is still alive. It's just been conquered. Now, now the old leader is just out on camels somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Wandering the desert. Well, um... Oh, yeah, he took I've over two, two cities, actually. I forgot which... Which two? Esmet thought he was going to come for one of the cities, and then I think he went and took. That's right. Yeah. Shigeki instead, or something? Or that's the one she sent people to, and he took the other one? Right. He's outmaneuvering her. Yeah, I think she assumed he was going to attack Nansifon, which is the former capital of the Kianin Empire. Or, yeah or the capital of the former Kianin Empire. Um, and he decided to attack Ayothea instead, which is, I believe, the capital of Shigek. And also, I think that's the headquarters of the Yatuarian cult. Hmm. I think that's where Sudma Nun, what? Nunna Fairy? I think that's where... She, thank you. I think that's I think that's where she's uh, she's headquartered, like that's where the cult, uh, where, where they where their temple is located. So how much of this is coincidence and how much of it is revelation? We talk about the White Luck Warrior being able to see so much of the past. It like talked about his great 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 grandfather or grandmother giving birth to his great-great-great-great-grandfather and just how time progresses maybe to these gods, sort of. And 
then we know we like remembering Nair finding Kellis on Nair's dad's grave, and and then I think what Akamian called a coincidence, but it seems like now Namara knows it's not a coincidence. You have like the skin spy there, and at the very end we find out they're tracking the captain, not. Akamian, Akamian, and Esmed are just like side things, but then the Synthi says we have to respect the old uh, prophecies, or the, I forgot the way you described it, basically the dumb prophecies as well as the true prophecies, and I think that's referring to the judging eye. And not thinking that that was like a legit prophecy, but they have to respect it anyways. But I have no idea what prophecies they were referring to. <laughs> but then oh. she realizes that Akamian is just like a tool in all this too. Really, they're probably all tools. They're, they're all have supposed to have been here for thousands of years, maybe. Or maybe not. I did find it quite funny that Akamian immediately assumed that the skin spy was there because of him, like he was there to follow and spy on him and then uh, the skin spy is like oh yeah, by the way, there's this wizard I don't know why he's joined this expedition <laughs> um, like I understand why Akamian would assume that, but it's, I still thought it was funny um, but yeah, I have no idea. Like, they don't. Yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't there. He wasn't sent there to spy on a common, and he, we know he wasn't sent there to spy on Mymara either. So, he he's there to spy on someone else. Well, we don't know who. Like, I assume it's probably um, cleric or the the captain. But, but captain dead. Yeah, so I guess that leaves the non-men. Or maybe one of the other skin eaters, but most of them are dead. There was quite a bit of revelation there as far as the captain like talking to Cleric when Mamara sneaks up, saying, oh, you kind of, they remind you of someone. And then Akamian, when he's telling Mamara, like, why... He's dangerous because if he remembers you and loves you, then you're for sure gonna die. It's guaranteed you're dead. And then and he, he says, Mamara, that's the first human name I've remembered in a long time. That seems like yeah. fondness. And she's like, shoot. Um, yeah, the relationship between the captain and, and cleric is fascinating and I hope we get to learn more about the Naman and why he's joined the Skin Eaters and why he like why he he why the captain keeps having keeps like tag giving keeps bringing him with them I don't know it's um 
this this and this whole thing about like the with the memory and how like he well it seems like he doesn't remember almost anything um but yet yeah, still he's like extremely powerful um sorcerer and warrior um but he's also just a rack of a person i, I just find the the nonman really fascinating and the king says he's even more powerful because he doesn't have like the memories attached just the feelings and the feelings are what's important for magic as we learned with Kellis's dad's utter failure hmm. <laughs> well it's one way of practicing magic I guess yeah and I re thought it was crazy how when the Kenyan was talking to Mamara about cleric he says that he's older than iron he's older than human writing older than the tusk that's how old this guy is yeah, like, <laughs> i mean i can't even imagine like being around for so long i mean no wonder you forget things yeah that that's a lot that's a lot of things that's just a lot to remember even if your memory is somewhat functional. <laughs> this goes back to the prologue in the very first series when hmm. when the non-man says, you killed my book, right? Because he has no memory anymore, so they keep pushing around to, to remind them, at least for that small time frame that they're there. But it's in interesting that a strength can do that for for that like that a that, that they can use a human to do it. I guess that makes sense, but to use a strength that seems a bit odd, especially because they don't they don't seem to have a very friend relationship, the non-men and strength. Then we see the thing called Soma a couple more times. Yeah, and um, he tells Maimara that she's pregnant. Yeah, there's three possibilities, and two of them are wrong. So we think we know uh, we know who's uh, who the dad is. That was really, yeah. Yeah, especially especially after they talk about how like father really his. Akamian's relationship to Maimara has become. Please <laughs> don't. He's physically, physically the dad, but mentally and spiritually the grandfather. <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe that's better. I don't know. It's not good. Uh, it's a bad situation. In all, in all fairness, it was Maimara who seduced him, right? Uh, I think it came in well, a little better. I He's been stuck in the tower for like 20 years. He's it, it takes two he, he people. Sh he should have known better. He's a wizard. He should know better. And uh, the, uh, there's a quote about the 
The judging eye is the eye of the unborn. It make it all makes sense now. I mean, they we t- I think we, they talked about it and or we talked about it last week that all the people who've been known to have the judging eye were pregnant women. Mm-hmm. So I guess it makes sense that my Mar is also pregnant. But I mean, she did talk like she does talk about having it, having the judging eye, even like since Before. she was a baby or since she was very young. So, Akimian tells her that if you have the judging eye, you have a stillborn son or a stillborn kid. And uh, Skin Spy said, kill the captain if you want your kid to live. Hmm. Those, are con- those are contradictions. I, I mean, the captain, if the captain kills her or gets her killed before she gives birth, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're contradictions. I'm not sure. And then we see most of the stone hags die now in varying ways. Some of them just beat to death. Some of them just limping too slow and then just getting left behind. Because they're not getting the Kiri. I don't limping. understand. Like, Why do they bring them along if they don't give them the thing that keeps everyone else going? Well, are they lucky? Maybe. We've learned a little bit more about this query and what it does, right? It, like quickens all, quickens your body and deadens your passion. I think it talks about Akanian just watching them beat the guy's face into a pulp. and just like all of them just watching it, not even like having an, an expression except for Namara who turns away. They're all just kind of emotionally dead inside. He says he cares even less about all the skin eaters, but he seems to care more about Mamara. Yeah. What kind of drug is this? Meth? <laughs> That's what Hitler used to march a long distance. Interesting. Yeah, not, not my area of expertise, I'll admit. <laughs> um... But they, yeah, they do seem to have, like, turned it into almost like a religious ceremony, where they have the declaring, handing out the kiri. The holy dispensation. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he just rambles like a madman. He can't ever talk about the name of a city or the name of a person, but he can just describe all the destruction and chaos that's happened. McCain can't figure out exactly which destruction and chaos he's talking about because that's just mankind for thousands of years. Yeah, being there and, and watching them march, marching, um, I think it would be quite a bizarre experience. Like, this whole expedition just seems to be getting crazier and, and weirder 
um, every chapter. I feel like once they got out of the cave, they had 2,000 miles to issue it. So I'm glad some weeks have passed. Yeah, and, and I they, think they, they've they been walked traveling a, lot. a yeah, like a fast distance, but it's two thousand miles to Ishul from the Black Falls. So Yeah, I think even by car that would take like a week or two, maybe. Yeah, but that they're still not very far. Um, but I'm happy we're out of the, out of the forest yet uh, already. Um, Maybe you won't have to hear about every single step. Maybe <laughs> weeks will pass sometimes. Yeah, and every tree in France. Yeah. And Selma, I think, like, falling out of a branch or, like, grabbing the one guy that was running away out of a branch because the one guy, like, Called them all crazy and ran off. Oh, I, was that Soma? I didn't. I didn't realize. But Soma it makes hates, sense. Hates them a lot. He swears he's seen like a branch grabbing the guy. I assume it was Soma. Yeah, no, it's it's totally. I I just didn't connect it to, but it makes total sense that it would be Soma. When he ran like a dog, or like an animal, and he met with the. Um... Scientists, the part that was crazy to me is him climbing to the top of the tree every night and screaming in a voice only a rat could hear until blood came out of his mouth. <laughs> and I, that was nuts. I guess it got Cindy's attention though because they met up finally. Yep, and that's where we learned that. Um... They uh, they weren't the consul wasn't even aware that Akamian joined the joined the expedition. Um, and I think I mean they talk they talk about a couple of other things, but I think that's the main takeaway that they they send so much to spy on someone else. Someone who's not a Kamian or a Maimara. Maimara talks about how the real Soma was probably left like at the camp that Akamian met them at. So maybe it could be Mamara that he's supposed to follow. He did protect her, right? Mm -hmm. Did you see her? Yeah, but I think he, he mentions that like it's it's I think he's informing the synthes that Mymar is there and the impression I got from that conversation is that they didn't expect her to um, make an appearance like they were not expecting her to be there or I think right yeah um, but I don't know it, make, it makes me think back to the prologue where um, there is this mysterious person who visits the skin eaters and and wants to talk to the captain. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Um, hmm. Remember it talking about Arax and Arang, the Imperai? Yeah. I think maybe the last two living. They have like a head 
infused into their mouth, right? When they landed on the ark, they didn't have a head fused into their mouth. Right. That's pretty crazy. They also couldn't talk to the, the non-men or the humans. So they because like, they don't, didn't have a mouth. Next time they seen him, they had a mouth. Yeah. Whose mouth was that, I wonder? Who knows? Uh, it does tell him to con continue tracking them to soar. At the very least, they will take you home. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's and there's the question of like why like what is what is the consult's goal? Like are there try like was there was it originally their plan to get to uh, the library of Saglish or to Ishwal, or is that did that happen by accident? I don't know. Um, and there's also another thing where Maimara, oh, well, yeah, Maimara, she, uh, uses the judging eye again. And I think we talked about it, like, last time, like, what would happen if she saw herself, like, if she saw her reflection with the judging eye? Well, we find out, um, she's not damned. She, she's, she's good. And she doesn't like the fact that she's good. Uh, but she also talks about how she originally thought that Akamin was damned because he was the sorcerer. But now she's starting, starting to think that maybe he is damned because he will lead the consult to Ishwal. Which I thought was interesting. Um, and it does, it does, um, support my theory that, um, sorcerers are not damned because of the fact that they're sorcerers, but because of other things they do. Um, <laughs> and even not all humans are damned, like all snakes and rabbits are. <laughs> yeah. Or we snakes know, are and rabbits are. Yeah. There we, go. we know at least one person who isn't damned. If the judging eye actually is or does what we think it does. There's um, a lot of unreliable narration going on. Yes. And there there is as we as as you talked about, um there are seem to be some true prophecies and false prophecies. Uh, but I mean how, like I'm not how can you tell if a prophecy is true or false until the thing that's supposed to happen either happens or doesn't happen. You're Yatler and you cast out a lot of nets and tell all of them they're going to be the one that kills Kellis. You tell the White Luck Warrior he's killing Kellis. You tell Sorwell that he absolutely needs to kill Kellis. Yeah, and, and Fenile and maybe a couple of other people we haven't even met yet. Yep, and not. And then the Synthes just want to kill this person whose soul bounced to hell and just came back. The captain. Right. 
Maybe. I don't know. Would they care? Like, why would they care if someone went to hell and then returned? I don't know. Maybe it's just what he's going to do. Maybe it's what he's talking the non-men into doing. Who knows why the consul wants the captain dead or what the captain was doing in the first place. He doesn't seem like he needs to be a skin eater, though. Hmm. Yeah, it does seem like they have another a mission that and that, that the skin eaters are sort of just a pretense. But I don't know. We'll see, I guess. I guess we'll find out sooner or later. Unless that's one of the things we never find out. <laughs> or we never find out. Maybe never. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, mo I generally, my feelings are that we are getting more mysteries and questions than answers. Although we did get some answers, but also more questions with the answers. So... <laughs> Well, since um, the series decided started, we've all decided that there is for sure an outside and gods, right? Gods have pawns. All these pawns are in places. Maybe free will isn't as certain as sometimes it seems. Kella seemed to take people's free will, but maybe free will is taken by the gods like first, right? That's why Yatwar knew the White Luck Warrior was going to be the White Luck Warrior. Doesn't seem like there's much choice there. Yeah, no one seemed to ask him, that's for sure. <laughs> no one seemed, no one asked Sorwheel if he wanted to be uh, Yatwar's chosen one either. Well, Fenile seems more than happy to be the chosen one. Yeah, he, he's the most proud of all of the chosen ones. He, he gloats that he can't be killed. White Luck Warrior's like mysterious and calm. I was going to say one other word, but I just can't yet. <laughs> so many questions. Well, is there anything else you, you guys can think of? Mm, well, we also learn that uh, the captain is a very, very religious person and a follower of Callus, it seems. Like, he, he killed one of the stone hags when oh, they're okay. trash-talking Callus. That's right, um, and it's interesting that someone who literally or allegedly has been to hell, well, I guess maybe it makes sense. Um, maybe if you, if, if you've gone to hell and back, maybe that would turn you religious. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't met a person like that before. 
<laughs> but it it did it 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 does it did come as a surprise to me that um when I when I at, at least when I first read the book that I just didn't think of it, him as someone who would be so yeah so 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 religious and that like would be um one of the Zarunyani and a strong strong believer but that it seems that that's what he is so willing to cut anyone who just starts crying right right below the armpit weepers no weepers on the slog no weepers in the slog no blasphemers on the slog he just i mean is it just me or does he just make up the rules as they go i mean i think like when we started i think it was just weepers and um i don't know maybe something else and then it's it's been like 10, 20 other things that you're not supposed to do on the slog. That I think he's just making it up. I know when they went to the black halls, all the rules got thrown out. And then when he came out, the first rule <laughs> got obeyed again. And Sorrow thought that it was a, sign, a good sign. We're, we have the rules again. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there are a couple of like small things, but I don't think there's much point in talking about them. So is water going to climb the prow of the great ordeal? <laughs> like the what? gods are saying? Well, not if Sorwheel and the company can ride fast enough. At least that would be my guess. I hope they get punished for not bringing any meat back. They're supposed to be out hunting for them. I mean, there was there were there was a lot of meat. Yeah, there was like full of flies and yeah, not too good. Um, There's maybe just one one little thing that I thought was interesting um, about the Kisharum that's that's been riding with Phenyl. Um like they they talk like Fenile talks about how um, the Kisharum I think his name is Mappa Mappa he was sent to him in God sent to him by God and then he uh, then uh, the the diplomat he asks Fenile like what does Mappa the the sorcerer think about all this and I think Fenile replies something like he that he doesn't know who he is. I don't know if it means like he's forgotten or um, that he doesn't know if he's not sure if he was sent to Phenyle by God. Um, but I don't know. It, it just made me wonder if there is something more to this. Like, if is it just is is this, is this just some random Kisharam that we never met before, or is this is this someone we're we're supposed to know from the from Prince of Nothing? That's um, that's one thing that caught my attention. So many, so many things going on. It's, I, yeah. I mostly remember like Malalab by saying he couldn't even see the saffron robe until he, like, took off his blindfold and saw that he didn't have eyes, and he's like, "Oh man, that's a dusty yellow robe." And then he realized that what he thought was, like, he said that black tongue is actually the snake. Yeah, he's, he's not very uh, perceptive. Uh, 
uh, what's his name? Mabwabi or yeah, Malawabi. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry about butchering the poor man's name. I'm sure that's all we've done all series. I'm sure that's all anyone does who reads any of these books. I know I have. So, uh, what shall we finish with? Chapter we're on chapter seven now. Um, but it looks like um, if we do six, seven, eight. Are we already? I think we've already read six. Oh, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Seven. Um, seven to nine. Seven to nine. Yeah, it'll be about. That would be. And it looks like chapter eight is really long. Mm. It's like 50 pages long. No, I think seven through nine sounds reasonable. Through nine? Yeah, it's, well, it's about one hundred and, I mean, it's like about, it's about 110, 120 pages in my edition. Mm -hmm. The three chapters together but i mean if you if you prefer to read less i'm also fine with that no i just i uh, it's mostly up to you guys so i'm i'm good with whatever okay, so we'll get through nine and end up on page three or something so right yeah it's 316 is okay and it's it's where my uh the hard chapter the oh you have the hard they have the same pages, so it's nice. Interesting. Interesting. Well, cool. Well, uh, interesting few chapters, I thought. So, good stuff. So, uh, Katerina, if people want to contact you and tell you how wrong you are about Saban, where can they contact you? Uh, it's pointless. I don't reply to any messages. No, you, 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 can, you can contact me on the page string forum. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I also try to read the comments um, below the, the the YouTube videos. Um, so you'll find me there. And Daniel? Look up and scream into the void like Selma did and I'll, I'll hear you. Not in a human voice though. He will appear. The rats <laughs> or Daniel will appear. Yes, but you never know what you're going to get, though. So you might, it might not be Daniel who appears. It might be someone, something else that flies. So cool, everybody. Well, we will see you next week for seven through nine. I'm sure it'll be lots of fun. See everyone next week. <laughs>